We are continuing, and uh, we have today and then next Sunday will be our final uh, stop in this series of looking at the particular core values of Christ Community Church as a ministry, as a, as a church body, and what we have been focusing on these past uh, few weeks. And so today we continue in this series. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. The book of Ephesians, uh, there in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Also, if you don't have your Bibles with you today, you can look at the text written in your bulletin as well. Listen as I read God's Word. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we come thanking you that you are the one who not only has called us to be your very own, but you continue to love us and to pursue us, to let us know just how much we are loved and how much grace we have received continuing to understand every day that though our sin is real and though we fail daily, we are forgiven, we are loved and accepted. We thank you for loving us with an eternal love that you're always drawing us to your side, always bringing us closer to yourself. Father, give us a greater understanding of the one that you left with us. Your very spirit. The one that gives us understanding. That shines truth in darkness. And comforts us in times of suffering. In times of struggle. Unrest. Anxiety. Father, thank you that in our broken world, your presence is very real. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you see there listed in your bulletin the seven different core values, and you have the core value today looking at spirit-filled ministry. You know, in the past uh, month or so, I had an opportunity to meet with uh, a pastor in the community. I had uh, not had a chance to uh, get to know him until recently in the past month or so. And um, as we had lunch together, he began sharing about his background and his ministry. And it was really just wonderful hearing his story of God's grace in his life and how God called him to serve him in the way that he is in planting a church in our North Cobb community. And, and it was just really an encouragement to, to get to know another uh, brother in Christ and to spend time hearing his story. As he shared his story... Uh, he shared some experiences that God over his life had really 
uh, worked and, and, and moved. And he shared a couple experiences that uh, definitely got my attention. One was particularly he was uh, in a time of prayer over someone, and he was in a, on a mission effort overseas in another country, and he was praying over this particular person that was physically uh, damaged, their leg. And uh, as he prayed for this person, he literally saw their leg begin to heal physically and, and change before his eyes. And he saw the actual, as he would say, the Spirit of God moving upon this person physically, and this person was healed. The second thing he shared was um, kind of an opportunity where he was in his church and he was uh, <clears throat> there with a particular person, I think it was after the service and so forth, and he was counseling with them, and this particular person was uh, sharing some of their story a little bit, but as they shared, um, he kind of began to understand things in their life that she had, that this lady had sh shared with him, and so he shared some information with her that there was no way he had any knowledge of, as he, she had never said anything about these things before, and told her much about her situation and spoke into her life things that no one had ever spoken to him. He had only believed that it was the Spirit of God that shared them with him as he spoke them to her with great accuracy as he told me the story. Now, I share these things with you. What do you think? If you were at lunch with him that day, would you have doubted him? I certainly didn't doubt him. I had no reason to. I didn't know this pastor, but... He had never lied to me before. <laughs> At the same time, I trusted whatever had happened to him happened to him. You know, there are things that happen in this world we cannot explain. There's much about the Spirit of God that we cannot explain. And so what I want us to be able to look at Scripture today to look at this particular value of our church of being spirit-filled and what that really means and maybe what misconceptions we have about it, but also maybe open up our understanding about what it means to be filled with this Holy Spirit in a way that hopefully will broaden, uh, give us a perspective biblically that will hopefully leave us open and desiring for the working of the Spirit of God to be maybe more than it has been. That the Spirit of God would work in a way in our lives and we would be watching, waiting, looking, seeking the Spirit of God in ways maybe we have not before. You know, many evangelicals today, I believe, will live as what I would call practical Unitarians. Or maybe another word would be biterians, I'm not sure. We focus a lot on either the Father or we focus on the Son. But how much focus is there really on the third person of the Trinity? The Spirit. The Spirit of God. Certainly, as Trinitarians, we find Father, Son, and Spirit vital to our spiritual understanding and relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In Scripture, certainly, there is no higher value to one of the three persons of the Trinity and God the Father, Son, and Spirit than the others, and yet we 
seemed to struggle in understanding who the Spirit really is. In our heritage, we have a document called the Westminster Confession of Faith. If you've never read the Westminster Confession of Faith, I encourage you, you can Google it, download it free, and you can read it. It is a great document of doctrine to understand, to read, and to gain insights from Scripture. I encourage you to particularly find a, a download copy of that which has scriptural references. You can look those up and understand what this document says. But the confession really has no major section on the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so my background, my history personally, is in the Reformed Church, particularly in the Presbyterian Church. And as I grew up in that particular branch of the church, that representation of the Bride of Christ, I was rarely, if I can remember, hardly ever exposed to an understanding in the work of the Holy Spirit in my particular upbringing, spiritually, in the church. And I was at church, whenever the doors were open, I went to everything from Sunday school to youth group to all that, and I really, in my background, had very little understanding of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. So by way of introduction, I want to uh, first help us understand first what, the, what being filled with the Spirit is not, first of all. Because I think there might be some assumptions what being filled with the Spirit is or what it would require or take. And maybe based upon your particular background, maybe these particular thoughts might run contradictory maybe some aspects that you've heard before. First of all, being filled with the Spirit is not a second spiritual event in the life of a Christian that has to occur in order to bring validity to true faith. Let me state that again. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not a second spiritual event in the life of a Christian that brings validity to their faith. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. There is no need for, in a sense, a second manifestation of the Spirit in one's life. As we are called, as we are drawn, and we express true faith, repentance and faith in Christ and his finished work for us, the Spirit of God comes in and indwells us. The very presence of God by his Spirit is there, giving us understanding, giving us the very faith to express in what Christ has done to forgive us of our sin and to have eternal life forever. As that experience happens, that is done. There is not a need for something a week, a day, a year, years later, any time after that transaction spiritually. And so being filled with the Spirit is not a second spiritual event. Another thing that being filled with the Spirit is not, as way, by way of introduction, is it is not an expression of certain spiritual gifts, like speaking in tongues, or other gifts in that vein that every Christian is expected or required to express, again, to validate their faith. It's important to understand that the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit does not require such expression of those gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 
Paul writes, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. It's not necessary. It's not required that there be a certain spiritual gift expressed in order to validate the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit in one's life. Scripture does not, I believe, speak or teach that particular truth. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? J.I. Packard in his book, Life in the Spirit, says this, filled, the word filled, conveys the thought of being wholly concerned with and wholly controlled by the realities which the Spirit makes known and the ideal of life to which he points. Read that again. The word filled conveys the thought of being wholly concerned with and wholly controlled by the realities which the Spirit makes known and the ideal of life to which he points. You see, being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing spiritual process in the life of a Christian whereby every true believer regularly and often expresses faith and repentance from their own heart with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we do so, the Holy Spirit, already being present in our life and in our hearts, then grants us further spiritual encouragement and further power so that we may experience joyful obedience and greater dependence on him. Greater dependence. It's a process ongoing. As we grow and understand more of God's presence and what he desires of us daily, as we make decisions to, to not go a certain way or to reject something that would not be beneficial to honor the Lord or to follow things that would benefit and would, would grant him worship and would help us understand who he is more in our life. These things are process. And as the Holy Spirit leads and directs, just as uh, J.I. Packer said, controls and leads and gives us a concern with the things that the Holy Spirit is concerned with, then we will understand what he desires. And hopefully, as that process ongoing, daily, regularly, repetitively, occurs, then obedience with joy to God's word and to his desires for us will become more of a reality in our life. We will be able to understand and then apply that to our daily lives. And we will understand also how important it is to depend on him even more. <clears throat> you know, so often we look at the Christian life, I think, more like a march, like We have to just toe the line, do the right thing, don't get off the line. I remember when I was in college um, at a State University in Middle Tennessee, uh, there was a particular fraternity where they had to, in a sense, um, stay in a, they called it being in the line. In this fraternity, there was at least eight or ten freshmen and, and, uh, that were pledging for this fraternity, and they had to stay in a physical line and never crack a smile. And this went on for weeks. 
And there was certain, uh, I'm sure, um, uh, things they had to do beyond that. But when you saw them on campus, going to the study, uh, to the library or to the cafeteria, wherever you saw them, I mean, they literally had to stay the line. And it was a serious thing to them, very serious. I even think physical, physical harm would come to them if they did not stay in line. I think so often we kind of live the, the life in Christ just like that. Stoically, staying the course, staying in line, doing what we're supposed to do, even though inside our heart wants to do just so differently. We struggle so much. And yet, the life in the Spirit is not a march. It's much more like a dance. Life in the Spirit is much more like a dance. In a dance, there certainly are um, prescribed steps, depending upon what kind of dance that you're trying to dance, if it's just free dancing. But if there's a waltz or there's a foxtrot or some particular dance you've learned, then there are certain steps, and you seek to follow them, whether with a partner or with a group, and you're dancing. But even in the midst of there being guidelines and directives and kind of a clear path that you're going along and enjoying that process, there's still freedom of expression. There's opportunity to uh, be spontaneous in a dance and to experience that whole dance in a way much different than you would in a march. Life in the Spirit is certainly much more. Dancing with the Father, dancing with the Son, dancing with the Spirit in our life in Him. You know, our church will only have a Spirit-filled ministry or ministries if we, we are the church, if we who are this church ourselves are continually being filled with the Spirit in our walk with Christ especially those of us that have the privilege and opportunity to be leaders in the church. Many of you here are leaders in this church that we are walking, living in step with the Holy Spirit. And so, as we consider what does it mean for a believer, any believer in our, in our lives to be Spirit-filled, first, we look at being spirit-filled is for every believer, not just for called believers that are in the church as leaders, but for all of us who are called by God to be his children. Verse 18, Paul writes, And do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, the verb, be filled, has the second person, plural, understanding you be filled with the Spirit. And it's plural. It's not just to one person, but you, the church, be filled with the Spirit. It's not just written to a man, a pastor, or an elder, or a missionary, or a seminary professor. It is written to the church. You, all of you, all of us, be filled with the Spirit. It's a a command that's given to all of us. You know, when Jesus himself departed, he told the disciples as he was leaving them that he was going to leave with them the Spirit for them. And all who would follow him, he would leave one for them. John 14, Jesus says, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and remind you about everything that I have said to you. That's Jesus' promise to us. He left the Spirit when he departed from this earth. And he left the Spirit to continue to teach us, to guide us, to instruct us, and to, let us under, to help us understand everything that Jesus desires from his commands. Everything the Father and Son desire, the Spirit continues to teach, to guide, to instruct our hearts, our minds, as we receive his word. How do we relate to the Spirit, though? This way, the way Jesus said the counselor would be left for us to have that relationship of interacting regularly. Do you regularly interact with the Holy Spirit? If today, before you came to this service, I were to catch you just outside and ask you, can I ask you a question? Are you filled with the Spirit this morning? What would be your response? Right now, do you believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you really believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit right now as you're in worship? You may say, well, I guess now's as good a time as any. I'm in worship. Maybe so, but are you really filled with the Holy Spirit in your soul? You know, uh, at our house, we, we have a small dog, and uh, when we moved into this house, we decided instead of putting a fence, which would have been huge undertaking, a, a large six-foot wooden fence all around the, the, the backside of the property, we decided just... No, we're going to go with an underground fence. So we went with an underground fence, which was a very small little wire that goes around the border of our property where our house is. And I know some of you maybe think, oh, that's so inhumane, but it's really not. And I actually felt the collar and the whole thing. It's a little shock, you know, a little, little, little buzz, a little attention getter. It's, you know, we're not frying our dogs, so don't think that. It's not like that, and I don't need emails about, you know, my dog. But... Really, it's just an underground little wire that goes all the way around our property. Here's the thing about the underground fence. You don't even know it's there. Now, our dog does. She, she knows exactly where it is and where she should not get near, and she never does. But you never really know it's there. You never know it's there unless you have to interact with it. You never know it's there unless something needs to be either warned or corrected by this underground fence. That's the only reason that you would ever interact with it, particularly our dog. If you have to be warned, which sometimes there'll be, you hear a beeping sound on her collar and she knows not, she's gotten a little too close to the area, or if she went even too far too quick, there's a correction. Only if you're warned or corrected would you ever even know that that was there. I thought about that. That's kind of, I think, somehow the way that many of us relate to the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus left us the Holy Spirit, God gave, us, gave you as a believer the Holy Spirit, and it's like, okay. You know, it's there. you know he's there, but you don't really interact with the Holy Spirit unless you need to either be warned or corrected in your Christian walk. Oftentimes, we only interact with the Spirit when we're convicted about something and he reminds us of something that we're either doing or not doing, and that's it. We just simply don't interact. We don't seek to have a fuller understanding and presence of the Holy Spirit in our daily Walk with God. And the Holy Spirit is much more than that. Jesus desired for us to have much more of a life in the Spirit than that type of a life. The Holy Spirit is for all believers. 
all believers to experience the presence and filling of the Holy Spirit. The second truth is that being Spirit-filled is a continuous action. I mentioned earlier it's a process. It is. It's ongoing and it's continuous. It's not just one time when you become a new Christian, the Spirit fills you and that's it. You kind of got to make it all the way through your life and you lose a little bit each day and if you do something really bad, you lose a lot more and then you just hope you have a little left by the time you're at the end of your life. That's not how the Spirit works. The Spirit continually is coming and filling us. Verse 18, as uh, the Scripture tells us, Paul writes, Be filled with the Spirit. Again, this is an imperative command. And it's not just an imperative, it's present active in its tense, in the verb use. It's present active in its intensity and in the tense itself. Present active, ongoing. It's an action that is continuous. It's not supposed to be once and stop. It is ongoing, not just one time. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, And we, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed continuously into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's an ever-increasing glory. It's an a transformation process that is always going on on this side of heaven. We are being transformed. We have been transformed initially, but it's a process of continually being transformed by the Spirit of God. You know, when you eat a meal, whether breakfast, lunch, or dinner, when you eat a meal, you're full. Generally, you eat enough till you're full, and then you stop, and, and then after a while, what happens? Of course, your body digests and that which filled your stomach is emptied. And your stomach becomes empty and you're hungry again. And that process then repeats itself for the next meal. And you continue to do this each and every time you come to eat a meal. And your body, if it's working properly, does that process over and over again. We always need to refill our stomachs with food. Refilling ourselves continually. We're actively using that food and needing to have energy and power to live, to breathe, to go about our day. And just like filling our stomach with food, but much more, of course, in a spiritual manner, we continually are filling ourselves with the Spirit. We continually need the Spirit of God to fill our very souls we are actively using the presence and power and energy of the Holy Spirit, hopefully in our daily walk with the Lord, and we need him to continually fill us and be in us and with us. We carry the very power and presence of Christ, and so we continually seek for the Spirit to fill us that we may use that power source. But if we're really honest... If all of us probably were really honest, we're probably much more aware of our stomachs being empty with food than we are our souls being not very full of the Spirit. We're not as in tune with our very spiritual nature as we are with our physical nature. If we would become so much more in tune 
with our souls needing the filling of the Spirit and His very full presence as we do our stomachs, how different life would be in Christ. So here's the question. How do we keep our spiritual tanks filling? Always filling. How do we do that process? There are things that God has given us that are part of filling our spiritual tanks. First, we regularly receive the Word of God. You and I must regularly receive the Word of God and engage the Word of God, yielding our spirits to the Holy Spirit in obedience to the Word of God. So reading the Word, listening to the Word, being involved in studying the Word, if you're not in the Word of God, it, it will be virtually impossible to truly be fill, filling yourself with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. You know this, right? If the Spirit of God wrote the very Word of God, then to, cons to have the Spirit's filling presence in us, we must consume the very words that He wrote for us to consume. The very Word of God gives us greater understanding of what the Spirit desires in our lives to follow. So receiving the Word of God regularly, also communing with the Lord in prayer and listening to Him. The Word and prayer, being in communion with the Lord in prayer often and regularly, listening to the Father's voice, listening to what the Son is seeking to tell us, listening to what the Spirit of God is leading and guiding us to do, waiting and watching and listening, not just acting impulsively or impetuously, but truly wanting the Spirit of God, wanting to understand in prayer what He desires. The Word and prayer, also regularly receiving the sacrament of the Lord's table is an important part of filling your spiritual tank. This is the, a sacrament besides baptism, the sacrament of the Lord's table that we have been given because Christ has given it to us as a gift. And every time it's offered, we should be seeking to have that filling our very souls. As we come to the table today, what a blessed gift opportunity we have been given to receive and to renew our hearts for the filling of the presence of the Holy Spirit again to fill us as much as he would as we partake of his grace. And we receive that by taking this sacrament at the Lord's table, being nurtured, being nourished and filled spiritually with the Holy Spirit. Also, regularly having fellowship with others and with the Spirit that lives in them. The Holy Spirit lives in brothers and sisters in the body. Outside of this church, Christian brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit lives in them as well. When we spend time with brothers and sisters who have the Spirit within them, and if it's vibrantly living in them, we are blessed and we are encouraged. And it, it actually helps us in our journey of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're around someone who just is full of the, maybe this expression you've heard before, they're just so full of the Lord. You've heard someone maybe describe someone like that. When you're around those who just have a joy in their walk with Jesus, have a joy in just being a child of God. They have a joy even in the midst of difficulty. There's this peace, this presence of God's very life in them. Doesn't it just incite you to want to walk with the Spirit yourself? Doesn't it incite you to want that same joy in your life? It does for me. 
I love being around others who encourage me in that way. And I desire to be that encouragement to others as God would give me opportunity. We can feed off each other spiritually the presence of the Holy Spirit in one another. That's a gift that God gives us. That's when true fellowship happens. Real fellowship. Not just a potluck dinner. I mean, real fellowship. When we have the Spirit in ourselves and the Spirit in someone else, and we're interacting at that level spiritually, truly encouraging each other, speaking truth from the Word of God to each other, reminding each other of what God is telling us and, and how we're seeking to worship and follow Him in our life. Our struggles and our encouragements. Regularly fellowshipping with the Spirit living in others. And then lastly, willingly allowing the Spirit Himself to use us as His vessel of spreading the gospel. When you're willing to spread the good news, to share Christ with someone else, verbally, by word or deed, either or both, and you're that conduit, that willing vessel for the gospel to go through you to others, for grace to be dispensed not only upon you, but to be dispensed through you to someone else, then the Spirit will be filling you. When you share with someone who you do not believe understands or has a relationship with God through Christ, and you are able to do that, and you see them listening and eagerly wanting to understand further spiritual truth, if you've never had that experience, it is life-changing. And when you're able to impart, because God's given us his truth, to someone else in that way, and they begin to take that because God is moving them to receive it, in that manner, then you are being changed spiritually. Someone may actually come to know Christ in that process, but let me tell you, spiritually, you will receive as much as they will as you engage that person with the grace of the gospel. When you do that, we are being filled in that manner. So, being in the, receiving the Word of God in prayer and communing with the Father, Son, and Spirit, receiving the sacrament of the Lord's table, fellowshipping with other believers in the Spirit, truly being with Him in the Spirit, and then being that willing vessel. These are ways in how the Holy Spirit fills us. If we're not engaging in these things in our life, then we will not have the filling of the Spirit in the way that God so desires in our life. Again, Packer writes, in keeping in step with the Spirit, these words, the Christian life in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical, devotional and relational, upsurging in worship, and outgoing in witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. You see, these things that we've just, I've just talked about, they aren't just you getting the job done. These are things that only the Spirit can work in us and do in us, through us, to us. And the Spirit of God just does them because He desires to do them in His children, to grow us in Him, to love us, to pursue us. And it's only that that the Spirit of God can do. We cannot do it ourselves. 
all these things, the Word of God, prayer, the sacrament, fellowship, witnessing, all these we engage in. But it's not us and our strength doing them. It is the Spirit of God giving us the desire, the spiritual intent, the spiritual power to actually do them. You know, though this is a command that God desires that we be filled with the Spirit, we can reject that command. We can put it aside at least. We can ignore it as even Christians. We can say, I'm not ready for that. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm busy. I have other things to attend to, Lord. I'm not going to do that right now. I can't do that right now. I have other things that are drawing my attention. Ephesians 4 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. Do not quench, another translation says, the Holy Spirit. Well, we wouldn't be given that command to not do so unless we have the capability to do that. And we do. We have the capability and the freedom to choose to grieve or to quench, to, in a sense, put off the filling of the Holy Spirit. He will not leave us as his children or forsake us ever, but we can choose to not allow his fullness to live in us. We can choose to focus on something else, to pursue other things that are more important in our desires than what the Spirit desires for us. And so being filled is a continuous action as well as for every believer, but it also, lastly, is internal. Being filled with the Spirit is internal, but yet observable. It's internal, but it's also observable. Verse 18, it says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, the gospel clearly tells us that it's not an external restraint of the body. Those things that we seek to restrain the way we live our life, these things are not what really changes a person spiritually. External restraint doesn't make us a new creation. You can't become a new creation because you do the right thing or avoid the wrong things in your life according to the word of God. That's not in our power to do. It's a work of God's spirit in the heart of his children. And the work of the Holy Spirit, it's an internal action that God's Spirit does. It's something he moves on the inside of us, the very soul, the core of who we are. And it works itself out in our life. It's an inside-out process, not an outside-in. We don't do the things in just hoping we can stir the Holy Spirit up to get going and do what he's supposed to do just doesn't work like that. The Spirit does what He does when He chooses to do what He chooses, when He chooses, how He chooses. Even as we submit, yield ourselves to Him daily, He will do what is best for us, how He desires to do it, what we need, when and how we need His presence, His filling, His work on our behalf, both working on us and working for us in circumstances and his providences all this is the holy spirit's work the here 
The Holy Spirit is an internal working. But though it's internal, it's still the presence and the filling of the Spirit of God should be observable in the life of a believer. Just like we said, Ephesians 4 says, do not quench, do not put aside the Holy Spirit, do not ignore. So if we yield ourselves to the Spirit and we don't ignore it, then it's an observable change in our life. There should be an element of observable change. Even ordained leaders in the church were selected based upon an observable presence of being filled with the Spirit. Did you know this? That in the scriptures, when they chose ordained men, set them aside, particularly for the purpose of diaconal ministry, it says in the scripture that there was an observable trait that they said needed to be present. What was that observable trait? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. You doubt me? Acts chapter 6. Look at what it says. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and they said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be, known to be, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So who should lead God's church? Men who just have an understanding of right doctrine, who know what the scriptures say to be true. Certainly that's an important aspect, but that's not the aspect. No, it would be men who are called and who yield their hearts to the Spirit. Who are full of God's Spirit in that way. You can tell when the Spirit is present in someone's life. When the fullness is there. When there is a, a reality of the presence of the Spirit there. That is what God calls us to discern and to know. Even the Apostle John tells us as disciples to Test the spirits. 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So we have to discern and test and know. Do they recognize the lordship of Christ, that Christ is who he says he is? Being filled with the Spirit, there needs to be an observable evidence in our life, growing continually. What does a person who is continually being filled with the Holy Spirit look like? We mentioned these activities to engage ourselves in. <clears throat> but you know, a person that continually is filled with the Spirit will have... And you probably know the answer. Hopefully, the presence of the fruits of the Spirit in their life. You see, there are fruits of the Spirit being there. They're called the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, fruits are different than gifts of the Spirit. We've all been given a gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the fruits are these things listed here in Galatians 5 that should be ongoingly, actively growing in our hearts and our lives. Not all believers have the same gift, but all believers, all those who truly know Christ, should be exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit in their life. Ongoing, growing, you may say, well, I haven't been very patient lately, and I haven't had much self-control lately. But is it something you're working towards? Is it something that's growing in you? The fruits of the Spirit in our life. You know, the more that we desire the presence of God's Spirit and we yield our desires to Him, the less we will desire what our own flesh wants. So often we try to go after restraint. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I know it's not good for me, so I'm going to stop it. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to, eat those certain foods or I'm not going to live that certain lifestyle or whether it be some, some particular uh, temptation. And so we just, just grip harder, white knuckle it, and restrain ourselves. And what really the Spirit is telling us is, pursue me, the Spirit's saying. You pursue me with all your heart and the other things that seem to reach out for your heart's affections will begin to wane. They will begin to take more of a backdrop to the front stage, which is me in your heart and in your life. So instead of trying to white-knuckle the Christian life, pursue with great passion the Spirit's filling in your heart. And the other things should take a back seat. Finally, as we come to the table, you know, as we understand what the Spirit is telling us in His Scripture today, we have to understand more deeply that the work of the Holy Spirit is directly connected to the work of the Son as well, what Jesus has done. Am I not absolutely convinced that the work of the Spirit would mean nothing apart from the work of the Son and the work of the Father? And Jesus has accomplished the great work of salvation for us. His grace is all that we need, given to us by His Spirit and His presence in power. John 19, Jesus, when He was there, He says, it says later, knowing that all was now completed and so the Scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said as He was there on the cross, I am thirsty. It says a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The gospel is all about transfer, right? The gospel is all about transfer. Our sin and his righteousness. Our slavery to sin. And his freedom. Our condemnation. And his justification. Well you know. It's all about transfer. Jesus willingly gave up his spirit. That you and I would freely. Receive 
the Spirit. He gave up his Spirit so that you and I could receive the Spirit of God. This table freely offers the Spirit of God to you and me to come, to partake, to be filled on the Spirit. Would you come and fill your soul at this table at this time? Let's pray.